The warmest of greetings to you, and welcome to Happily Ever Teaching. This is the podcast to help you enthrall your learners in a knowledge-rich curriculum using the best teaching method known to science, storytelling. To do this, we feature special guest educators who are passionately keen to empower your children. I am storyteller Chip Cahoon, and with me today is... Joria Bono. I'm a primary teacher on the South Coast, founder of Tiny Voice Talks, and recently published author of Tiny Voices Talk. And I'm Kate McBracken. I'm a year one teacher in Buckinghamshire. I was a speaker on Toria's podcast a little while ago, and I'm one of the contributors to her book as well. And today we are exploring what art we can create with a beautiful Hindu myth on the nature of grief. You can listen to the story by downloading our sister podcast, Fables and Fairy Tales, or search our website, epictales.co.uk, for grief awareness, which should help you find the story of Yami and Yama. There you'll find a video of me telling the story that you can share with your children. And if you're an epic educator as of November 2022, you'll also get the story as a paperback, gorgeously and sensitively illustrated by Heather Zeta-Rose, which should be with you in time for National Grief Awareness Week. Don't worry if you miss that, though, as you can also order the book from any bookshop, including Amazon, and Epic Educators can access the ebook and full audiobook through the Epic Tales app. In fact, I'd like to take a quick moment to thank everyone who's signed up to be an Epic Educator so far, because by doing so, you're also supporting this podcast, so we can keep sharing these off-the-shelf lesson ideas every week. Right now, though, let's continue our discussion with Caitlin, Toria, Yami and Jamma. And we've already created quite a few beautiful moments, I think, in our classroom. So I'm excited by the opportunity to transfer that onto a canvas of some kind. Caitlin, do you want to kick us off with the art for ages four to seven? I will do. I'll have to put out there that I'm slightly intimidated by... uh Toria's previous enthusiasm for the art side of things, so I'm sure I'm going to get blown out of the water in about two minutes' time, but I'll go for it. I do like doing quite creative stuff with the children, but I don't know. When I, I did a quick Google search for the story to see if anything sort of jumped out at me, what came up with some really striking artwork of the characters of Yama and Yami. So the colours the shapes. I think it's something that we could sort of look at and try and maybe replicate in the classroom, those kind of bold colours. Do you mean like the boldness of, of Hindi yeah, painting? Yeah, like the, the Hindu artwork ah. was so striking. And I think, you know, the way that Yama and Yami are illustrated, like the story introduces them as people, but... I'm sure in one of the pieces of artwork that I saw that one of them was blue. I don't know. I guess the children would find that very intriguing as well. It's like, if he's a person, why is he not person colored? I think there's a lot that could be done with that. You know, children maybe drawing themselves in that kind of style, you know, with all those kind of bright colors. There were elements of sort of gold and sparkles kind of thrown in there. And I think that's something that's very appealing to little children like i say tori is going to blow me out of the water but that was that was what came to mind for me maybe quite simple but mm. in that kind of vein of the hindu artwork 
I don't know. I think you set the bar quite high there for yeah. Toria Kaylin, because I mean, among other things, you, you've uh, again hit upon some of the cultural references that you can pull in with this story. And I mean, I don't know. You'd have to speak with some of your Hindi connections, but I imagine the reason why Yama was presented as blue was because he would be seen as an avatar of Krishna. I think Krishna is the one who presents as blue-skinned in a lot of Hindu stories, and certainly next year when we get round to the festival of Holi we'll be looking at that as part of the fables and fairy tales we're going to be sharing the Krishna and Radha story and that's all about the colour of his skin being blue and some of the difficulties that he faces having that in his tale I also love the idea of just thinking of the fact that you can represent people in all sorts of ways and you can yeah. you know you've got opportunities here to move into body art perhaps but yeah uh, what colour would you like to be would, would you like to be the skin colour that you're born with or would you like to be gold would you like to be purple you know there, there are so many ways that you could play around and I think with that this. kind of removes some of the stress that some children feel when they're told that they have to draw themselves like some children even mm. sort of year one reception will yeah. go oh no I can't I can't draw people I can't draw but adding yes. something that's that bit different they're going to be a completely different colour but they're not going to look it's not meant to be a photographic representation of themselves I think a lot of children will yes, appeal to yeah. that because I, I can remember when, when I was a kid you know it's so difficult to find a colouring pen that would give you a proper flesh colour mm -hmm if you're Caucasian that is yeah. that you know you'd either be with something that looks like they're blushing massively or they've just been jogging for a, an entire marathon or you'd go with orange which is what I did and you know you'd just be drawing lots of little Donald Trumps um, it's not very helpful at all the sorts of uh, colour ranges that they have for that no things are definitely getting better along that line though yeah are yeah. they okay we've got yeah. some fantastic crayons and pencils in year one now that have many different skin colours and it's yeah. really really sweet oh, when you see children that rolling yeah. up their sleeves and getting different pencils and going oh does this match me is this the right colour yes. and it's lovely it's really really yeah. sweet they're getting some practice then for when they go into boots later on in life in order to pick their lipstick yes, and are. indeed <laughs> their foundation <laughs> Grand. Well, go on then, Toria. As we move up uh, to ages 7 to 11, how can you top that? I don't think I can top it. I, I've got, I'm going sideways. <laughs> um, so basically, I would start by looking with the children at some different ways that grief has been perceived in art as such mm. because I think there are many many different like there's a beautiful beautiful painting by Ivan Kramskoy called Inconsolable Grief and it's just beautiful it portrays the realism of human emotion it's really really powerful there was another one Sorrowing Old Man by Vincent van Gogh so first of all looking at those really looking at how grief is portrayed in artwork by different artists but then moving to the end of the story where she turns and she says I remember and linked to something that Caitlin said in a previous episode is actual remembrance art because we do a lot of remembrance art so when it comes to Poppy Day we often get children to do some form of art that brings in poppies and I was struck it was a couple of months ago actually I was in London and I was walking along the embankments towards Victoria Station as you do and I came 
came across the COVID memorial. Now, I don't know if you've seen the COVID memorial, but it is absolutely stunning. I haven't, but oh, Caitlin's nodding. Yeah, it's so moving. It is utterly moving. It's along the wall and it is just hearts, different size red hearts all the way along, each one representing someone who passed away with COVID or from COVID. I would want to share those with children to show children how people have been remembered in art. And I think that would be my sort of initial bringing them into art with grief, with remembering, etc. Then I would want to move on and look at some pop art. Slightly random, I know. (laughs) So (laughs) let's look at grief, let's look at remembrance, and then let's move on to pop art, children. My thought about children actually capturing their thoughts, I thought, well, pop art's a great one. Because if we go back to the PSHC lessons where, you know, the children have created the booklets to do with how to support people with regards to grief and so on. What about just simple words captured in a poster but in the form of pop art so it's really Mm. there it's eye-catching and I was thinking how amazing if those were around the school to support children in grief but actually making it very eye-catching and so on so that was my thinking that actually it's sort of a two-way process you would have the art appreciation being really looking at different artists perception of grief through art but also different ways that we remember through art and then the second Mm -hmm. bit with children actually doing their own pop art as such but posters to support the grief process and potentially depending on where you are as your school you could develop your own remembering wall but then Mm. I was thinking you know how would that be what would that look like those are my thoughts with regards to art because I think art lends itself immensely to grief and also a lot of artists in the same way that we've we've talked about emotion being used whenever we're journaling a lot of people use art in order to manage their emotions yes, so they put yeah. pencil to paper we've talked a lot about that in my class recently because we've just been talking about mark making and we've been looking at different marks that artists make and the fact that actually hmm. some artists make different marks depending on their emotions so actually you know when they're angry they might be doing sort of different scribbling marks and when they're happy, they might be doing more circular marks. I don't know, making that one up. But I think it's really important for children to understand that art is also another way to express emotion. Yeah, definitely. I really like your idea of the, I don't know, something collaborative, like a remembering wall. Yeah, thank you. I'd kind of thought of that and then didn't bring up because we were, you know, we were discussing other things and the conversation moved away. But linking to the tree at the end of the story, she has that tree Uh, that she sort of adopts as a symbol of something that she's going to use to remember her brother. Every time she looks at it, she sort of Mm. thinks of him in that kind of vein, whether you could have a tree and everybody could add a leaf for someone that they were remembering or something like that. That would work really well, I think, in your Be school, beautiful. actually, Toria, with, with the amount of children that yeah, you've you got. Yeah, you have a lot so. of leaves there. <laughs> no, I think it's a lovely <laughs> idea. And I think that idea of a collaborative piece, which is about yes, yeah. remembering. Actually, if we go back to the Queen and the Queen passing, lots mm-hmm. of schools did lots of collaborative pieces to remember the Queen. Yeah, it was That's kind of right, that, commu- yeah. that, sort of, that sort of community feeling of, of grief. Yeah. And that sort of... I don't know, reminding children that they're not on their own if they're feeling upset. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But also I think what's really key is that in a sense, losing the Queen gave children permission, sounds bizarre this, but gave children permission to grieve 
within the community. Whereas often when children lose someone that is close to them, no one else is grieving. So it's that separateness. But actually, if you have a communal tree of remembrance and they pop their leaf on there, even though the entire community isn't grieving, their leaf is on there and they are part of the same emotional process that others are going through. Yeah, that's that's a really lovely thought. That sort of ongoing reminder that, that, you're, that yeah. you're not alone. Because like you say, that, yes, you know, when on. you lose someone that's close to you, the rest of the world carries on. And that's what makes it quite isolating. Yeah. But having that leaf on that tree knowing that it's there it's just that that sense of knowing isn't it well it's like that wall it's like the covid wall yeah you know when i walked along and i saw heart after heart after heart it felt like each person had come along looked at the hearts and and just known that they weren't alone in this that there were Mm. others that were grieving just like they were and it was so powerful to walk along and see that and then I found myself feeling emotional for everyone Uh there and I think that that would be similar and and again it comes back to that empathy so yeah yeah what's just sort of on on the sort of note of the hearts I think what's really lovely about those is that people have come and put names on them so people Mm. you know designated you know this heart has whatever name on it that that person is remembered so even as part of this massive great community display of grief that there's still those little individuals the individuals are remembered that's all we have time for in this episode folks if you'd like to talk to us about anything you've heard in this podcast or if there's a subject you are soon to teach that you'd like us to cover you can find us on social media using at teach happily or leave us a review using your favorite podcast app please also share this podcast with your colleagues and help us start a story-led revolution in classrooms around the world so children everywhere can enjoy knowledge-rich learning in a way that's effective memorable and enjoyable all at the same time. Tomorrow, Yami and Yama will help us teach history and physical education. But right now, it only remains for us to say cheerio, and we hope to hear your story soon. So, cheerio! cheerio. And we hope hope to hear your your story story soon. soon!